Welcome back to uh, the third and final in our message in our teaching series, Mismatch. Mismatch, we're about to jump into it. First of all, I would like to welcome uh, Pastor Christina back from maternity leave. We're so happy to have you back. Uh, and also, Spencer and Corey, would you stand up and look at this great church family? These are our newlyweds. Freshly back from their honeymoon. Great to see you guys back. We are cheering for you and excited for what God's going to do through you now as husband and wife. So God bless you guys. Also want to extend a special thank you to all of the dads and grandpas who joined us at Father-Son Camp over the last two days. We went out Friday, came back yesterday. Tucker and I survived. Thank you, dads, for bringing your sons out to be with us. Can we show appreciation for every dad and grandpa who's out there? And I extend my gratitude to you for any extra navigating that was required to get around the scaffolding to get into the church today. Uh, we found out a few weeks ago that our stucco was in need of replacement and repair. Uh, these are ex exciting pieces of news. Uh, <laughs> uh, we are so grateful uh, when we have moments like this we are, we are thankful for a, a facility team that pours their heart into making sure that this campus is always in stellar condition. And they are the unsung heroes of our staff. So would you show your appreciation for our facilities team? And it's also our desire to honor your contributions and your investments in the church and so, while we don't like to have to do things like this, we're prepared for moments like this. And I can, I can tell you the stucco is, is paid for because of your generosity and because of your faithfulness. So thank you. Uh, we know that when there's maintenance, the longer it's deferred, the more expensive it gets. And because you've been so faithful, we were able to respond right away. You may know something about stucco, I don't. But I have learned that if you wait until rainy season, it's only gonna get worse. And so we wanted to be out in front of, of this and because of your faithfulness, we were able to respond right away and say get the repair done so we can keep our church in tip top shape. So thank you very much. Here's a word that's fun to say. And I'm guessing that you have not used this word in conversation this week, if you have a huge gold star. And uh, I'm gonna give you this word, and once you know this word and what it means, you can use it in the week ahead and impress your friends. Here is the word, perfidious. Perfidious. Do you know what, does anyone know what perfidious means? I'm so glad you asked. Perfidious means to be disloyal, an act of disloyalty. Let me use it in a couple sentences. We were betrayed by a perfidious ally. A perfidious campaign worker revealed the senator's strategy to his leading rival for the nomination. Here's another fun word to say. Its meaning is very similar to perfidious, and it's a more common word, fickle. 
fickle. To be fickle is to lack stability. It's to change from one thing to the next sporadically. To be one thing today and something else tomorrow. Fickle and perfidious, these are fun words to say. But when it comes to our friends, our family members, our manager, our coworker, our employees, these are words that you do not want to have to use to describe them. Perfidious or fickle. Those of us who are followers of Christ, when we look at how God, what God wants for his followers, these are words that God would not want to be used to describe the way we live out our faith in Christ. Perfidious or fickle. So this is where we rejoin the conversation mismatch. And what we've been talking about for the last three weeks is that following Jesus often demands the opposite of obvious. The way that Jesus teaches and challenges his followers to act and react in everyday situations is often so different, even opposite, of how we might obviously react in those situations. And the way that Jesus challenges those of us who are his followers to live out our faith, it often does not make sense to others who may be around us. So I invite you to open up or power up your word today to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. We said perfidious and fickle, not words that you'd want to have to use to describe a friend, family member, manager, coworker, or employee. And as followers of Christ, these are not words that we would want to use, be used to describe the way that we live out our faith. An opposite word of perfidious and fickle, an opposite word of perfidious or fickle would be this. Steadfast, steadfast, fixed, immovable, firm in belief, firm in determination. We're going to see that Jesus calls his followers to be steadfast, to be fixed, to be immovable, to be firm, to have unwavering faith. As followers of Christ, we know that Jesus is returning. He's coming back. Jesus came 2,000 years ago, born an infant in a manger. He lived fully man, fully God. And Jesus promised, his, Jesus promised his followers that he will return. This is an active promise. Jesus promises his followers that he will return. Now, if you're new or newer and this concept of Jesus returning is new to you, a lot of us, most of us, were in that position at one point in our life. I remember uh, after giving my life to Christ at a church in Austin, Minnesota, when I was living in Minnesota. Austin, Minnesota, as I've shared with you before, is of course famous because this is where spam is made. This is uh, the town where I gave my life to Christ, Austin, Minnesota. And I remember early uh, in the days after I gave my life to Christ, when I was in my early 20s, Pastor Dave, the pastor of this church, discipling me and introducing me really to the concept of Jesus coming back. He's returning. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 24. Let's look at verse 44. Jesus says this, therefore, you also must be ready. You must be ready. Why? For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, is coming when? At an hour you do not expect. When is Jesus coming back? At a time that we do not expect. We don't know when this is going to happen. 
Many have tried to predict when this will occur. Church, we need to trust what Jesus taught, what he says is recorded for us in verse 36. Concerning the day, that day, an hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. So if you were to have a conversation with somebody, if you were to read something on the internet that says this is when Jesus is coming back, please respond with the way that Jesus speaks. And he says, I'm sorry, you don't know. You can say, I'm sorry, you don't know. You may think you know when Jesus is coming back, but Jesus, my Jesus says, concerning that day and hour, no one knows. So that includes you. I'm sorry, you don't know. In fact, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son. Who is the only one who knows? The Father only. There will be, there will not be, there will not be an opportunity to get ready when Jesus returns. That moment will be too late because it's going to happen suddenly. Scripture says that there will be two in one bed. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field. The one will be taken and the other left. Conversations about returning, coming back, occurred throughout Jesus' conversations with his disciples. They asked the question that you may be asking. Well, if you're not going to tell us when, give us an idea. Verse 3, go up to the beginning of the chapter. Matthew 24, verse 3. And he, Jesus, sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples, they came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? What signs can we look for to know that you're coming? I'd like to share with you that my parents are here today, Jim and Susan, visiting from Michigan. Welcome back to People's Church, Mom and Dad. Do you remember about what year it would have been that we took the famous family road trip to Yellowstone National Park? Like 1990-ish? Do you remember the model of van that we took on this, this trip? A Chevrolet van, 1990-ish, Murray family van, uh, leaving from our home in Michigan. Uh, me, mom and dad, my brothers Mike and Phil, through Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota, into South Dakota on our way to Yellowstone. Uh, let me just ask, how many of you have ever driven through South Dakota, either to get there or to go somewhere else? Many. Well, you can help me with this question. If you have ever driven through South Dakota, you know you see many, many billboards all pointing you to what? Wall drug is the answer that I was looking for today. <laughs> Wall drug, you can Google this. You can Google, uh, maybe you want to fact check right now. You can Google uh, wall drug billboards. And starting like 300 miles away, wall drug 300 miles, wall drug, 200 miles, free ice water, that's what they advertise, free ice water, 100 miles to wall drug, 50 miles, 25 minutes to wall drug, a half mile, so by the time you get there, you've seen all these billboards and you really have no choice to stop and they've got you right where they want you. It's a tourist trap, just so you know, wall drug. The water is free, but nothing else is. Uh, 
someone shared with me after one of the earlier services this morning that uh, the cinnamon rolls are good there, so now you know. The point is this, all these billboards giving you signs that it's coming closer and closer and closer. So we understand the concept of desiring signage that we're approaching. Jesus followers then, followers of Christ now, we want to know when is Jesus going to return? Because this is an important question, let's look today at an important answer, Jesus' answer, verses four and five. And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. This is the first thing that Jesus says to the answering the question, when are you coming back? The first thing that Jesus says, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. Okay, you're going to hear convincing, persuasive people who may even sound very spiritual in the words that they use or the language they use. But Jesus is warning us, don't let them, no matter how persuasive they may sound, don't let them steer you away from the truth, from God's truth. And then here's where Jesus comes with the statement that sounds a lot like a mismatch. Remember, a mismatch is where Jesus tells us to do something that's opposite of obvious. So if we're thinking about how, what the obvious way to react is, what the obvious thing to do, Jesus here tells us to do something that really sounds very opposite. You may have known this verse for a long time and you've never quite caught this before. Let me show you verse six. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. You are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. Maybe this is just me, okay? When you hear about war, especially if it was gonna be where you lived, what is the obvious reaction? Alarm. Alarm is an obvious reaction, is the obvious reaction to war and rumors of war. Other translations use words like frightened, troubled, panic. I think I heard someone shout out that word. All obvious reactions to war. Why? Because war is deadly, war is destructive, war is disruptive, war causes uncertainty, instability, insecurity. Am I safe anywhere? It's hard to imagine anything more devastating that could happen in a community than to be stuck or to be trapped in the middle of a war zone. Because Jesus answers this question, what will be the sign of your coming with wars and rumors of war? Whenever there's a war, whenever there's a conflict, whenever there's escalating, mounting international tension, many are saying, is this the war? Is this that war that Jesus was talking about? Is this the sign of the end times? Here's what we know. There have been wars before. War has been happening somewhere in the world ever since Jesus walked the earth and before that. There's always, there always has been war. And until Christ establishes peace in what we know as the millennial kingdom, there will always be war. Therefore, wars and rumors of war are not reliable predictors of the end times. Hear me out on this, okay? No war or conflict is a sign to get ready. No war or conflict is a sign to get ready. Why? Because we're always supposed to be ready. 
we're always supposed to be ready. The way that this is set up by God is not like, okay, wait for these signs and then get yourself ready for heaven. No, get ready now. Always be ready. Live ready lives. The second coming of Christ includes the rapture of his followers. Maybe you've heard this as being referred to as our blessed hope. There will be follow, that will be followed by the visible return of Christ with his saints to reign on earth for a thousand years. When that happens, when that happens, there will be no more war because Jesus will establish a universal peace. In the meantime, now for us today, consider the worst possible event that could happen where you live. And it's hard to imagine something much more terrible than a war. And for some on this planet right now, as we're having this service here in Salem, Oregon, for some, the concept of war happening in the city where you live, it's not theoretical. It's not something that's just imaginary. It's actual. It's real. According to the Center for Preventative Action's Global Conflict Tracker, there are active conflicts, wars or rumors of war around the world happening right now as we speak. Afghanistan, tensions in the East China Sea, tensions in the South China Sea, North Korea, Iran, civil war in Syria, instability in Iraq, violence in Mexico, Israel, Palestine, Boko Haram in Nigeria, India, Pakistan. Jesus gives us very opposite of obvious instruction, not if, not when, but even as this is happening. Do not be alarmed. Jesus says this must take place. This is not yet the end. What is the opposite? Okay, what is the opposite of being alarmed? To be calm, to be content, to have peace, even joy. So is Jesus really, is Jesus really telling his disciples then and us now, be content? Be calm, be at peace, even have joy. When world events, when local events cause confusion, cause panic, cause alarm, cause fear and panic. Is there a reason why Jesus can even expect his followers to react so differently than all the rest in the midst of chaos and confusion and conflict? What we're going to see is that, yes, Jesus does give his followers a reason where we can be expected to react so differently than everyone else. Before we get there, Jesus goes on to say, it actually is going to get even worse. Jesus tells his followers to expect nation will rise against nation, famines, earthquakes, arrests, persecution, believers being killed, betrayal, false spiritual leaders, and many of you are looking at this list saying, that's actually happening right now. These things are happening right now. Within decades of Jesus teaching on reports of wars, the Jerusalem temple was destroyed and anyone in or around Jerusalem, alarm would have been the expected reaction. Now we hear what Jesus taught 2000 years ago and what do we tend to do? We tend to view this through our 2021 American lens. Jesus is speaking to a group of people that didn't know like anything outside of a radius of a few dozen miles. So we hear things like international wars and we're kind of used to that. 
Can you imagine being in an, a, a room where they didn't really know anything about what was going on in the world outside the radius of a few dozen miles, and Jesus is talking about major international wars, earthquakes and famines in various places, persecution of believers. Today, 2021, we can read about and watch global events unfold in real time with the commentary of our choice. ABC, NBC, CBS, BBC, Fox News, Newsmax, CNN. Jesus talking to his disciples, their whole existence is very, the very near proximity. So Jesus gives us today this very real, vivid picture of what's going to unfold but it's still far too general to pinpoint, well, this is certainly the war. This is the famine. This is the earthquake that Jesus was talking about. What we can likely expect is an increase in conflict and disaster. And, and, and we read this and it's like, is Jesus trying to, to scare us? Does he want us to live frightened? Jesus, it's not his desire for us to be scared. He's teaching us this so we can be prepared. Not to scare us, to prepare us, because present and future difficulties aren't just possible, they're probable. And because we know this, we can be ready. We can be a ready people. There are events in Jesus' earthly ministry where, Jesus came, where people came to Jesus. There are moments when people came to Jesus and Jesus actually said, I'm sorry, you're not ready to be my follower. You haven't fully calculated the cost of what that means. Do you remember that? There are times when people came to Jesus and said, I'm ready. And Jesus said, I'm sorry, you're not ready yet. We want to be ready. Church, we want to be ready. There are events in Jesus' ministry where he said, you're not ready, that's not what we want today. We want to be ready people. We read about wars, famines, earthquake persecution. We may think, I'm not sure that I want to be part of that. Well, we don't get to opt out. Jesus tells us as we see this occurring around us, we have a choice of one of two paths. Matthew 24, verse 12. Here's one path. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Lawlessness will be increased. What is the law? The law, God's law, this is God's instructions, how we live his version of a great life. There will be an increasing rejection of that law. There will be pressure. Pressure will make other paths appear more attractive. And maybe you've lived this in one way or another, where something happens and all of a sudden become, being a follower of Christ is more challenging than you think it should be. And there's a pressure. And because of that pressure, choosing another path may seem like a better option. May, the other option may, may seem more attractive. Well, Jesus says we can expect that as challenges escalate in the world, what's good will be declared bad. Is that happening? What's destructive will be declared good. Do we see that happening? Many will reject what our Heavenly Father declares good. And we know that God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, anyone, anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So if, 
if you're following along with me, if lawlessness increases, that means rejecting of God and his ways increases. That means that rejection of God increases. God is love. So to reject God is to reject love. So hearts will grow cold. As the rejection of God's way of living increases, love for other people and love for God will grow cold. Is there another way? Is there a better option? Is there a path toward hope, you might be asking? Is there a reason why Jesus can expect his followers to react so differently than everybody else in the midst of chaos, conflict, and confusion? Here it comes. So good. Here it comes, verse 13. Here it comes. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. What is Jesus looking for from his followers? Perfidious, fickle, endurance, perseverance. How could this possibly be the reasonable, rational, productive, hope-filled, healthy response to conflict, to chaos, to confusion? Why? Because you will be saved. As followers of Christ, Jesus gives you and me a rational, grounded reason to be calm, to be content, to be at peace, to even have joy when facing the worst imaginable chaos, war, and a chaos that will only increase and get worse from there. This is rooted in faith. It's rooted in your faith and my faith that Jesus is going to do what he says he's going to do. Because, church, we know trials are temporary and victory in Christ is forever. 1 Peter 1, 6, there is wonderful joy ahead. There is wonderful joy ahead, comma, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. There is great joy ahead, but there's gonna be some trials. How long are the trials gonna last? Forever? For a little while. It's gonna end one of two ways. Die a natural death. As a follower of Christ, immediately you go into the presence of your heavenly Father. Or Jesus returns. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Confidence that Christ's followers will be saved provides certainty, stability, and security when world events create uncertainty, instability, and insecurity. Wars, rumors of war, famines, earthquakes, arrest, persecution, believers killed for their faith in Christ, false spiritual leaders persuading and deceiving people to turn away from the truth. The obvious response may be for the church to just quietly, we're going to go wait in our corner for this to unfold. As things get worse out there, we're just going to sit back here and wait for Jesus to come back. But what have, we, what have we been talking about for the last three weeks? The opposite of obvious. 
the opposite of obvious. The obvious response may be to just go quietly wait it out somewhere else. But the words of Jesus tell us this is not a time to quietly sit in the corner and wait. No, this is the church's finest hour. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Did you connect the dots with what Jesus said as he began this dialogue back in verse three? Jesus opened the dialogue by saying, actually verse, verse four and five, verse six, now we're there. You will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not alarmed for this must take place, but the end is not yet. That's not the end. Verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. This is what we as believers desperately desire. Our life was transformed by the message of hope and our desire is that everyone in the planet would have an opportunity to hear the same message. Proclaim throughout the whole world. The gospel will be proclaimed. The gospel will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. Who's gonna do this? Who's going to do this? Well, it started with the people who were in the room when Jesus said this, his disciples. And today, in 2021, who is going to do this? We are. We are. We join with believers around the world in this mission to proclaim throughout the whole world a testimony, a testimony of Jesus Christ. We are warned about becoming distracted by the trials of this world. And we are urged to stay committed to proclaiming the message of hope. So here's where I have a check in my spirit. Does the time we invest to share the message of Christ outweigh the effort and the time we invest looking for the timing of his return? Do we give more of ourselves looking to the sky than the effort we give to our lost neighbor across the street. The gospel is the good news. Our sin separates us from God. Yet God loves you and me so much, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for my sin and for your sin. To receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is to receive freedom. No one is too far gone. No one is beyond restoration to God. No one must live without hope. No one has to live without hope. And today may be the day that you decide, I don't want to live like that anymore without God. I don't want to continue living alarmed, panicked. I want to live steadfast. I want to live with hope. I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That may be you today. This is a message that many are waiting for someone to tell them. Global chaos is not the time for the church to retreat. It is the time for the church to rise up. So 
we don't get to hear uh, inflection or into, uh, intonation when we read the words of Jesus, but it, the way that when I read it, I hear him saying it something like this. Friends, okay, you have to know this. There's gonna be war. As you proceed, there's gonna be war. There's gonna be rumors of war. There's gonna be famines, earthquakes, arrests, persecution. Just know it's going to get ugly. But here's what I want for you, for you, what I want from you. Don't get caught up in all those rumors. Don't let that distract you. There's a mission. There's a mission. This gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God, it's going to be proclaimed. And that's what I need you to be about. We cannot wait for ideal conditions to share the message of Christ. Because ideal conditions are never going to come. We're not just going to wait it out for some perfect window to be about God's business. It's not time to look back. It's time to look ahead with anticipation and invitation. The love of Christ compels us to go to the spiritually lost, even when there are wars, rumors of wars, famine, earthquakes, persecution. We must stay focused. We depend on his strength. We do this through the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter one, verses 19 and 20. Understand the incredible greatness of God's power God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Jesus said to his followers, they are going to deliver you up. The legal system, the political system may not be in your favor. In fact, the legal system and the political system may even be opposed to this mission but this mission is from God wars rumors of wars famine earthquake persecution these events are not the end Jesus tells us the end will come when his father's mission ends the gospel of the kingdom the good news of Jesus Christ will be declared throughout the whole world then Jesus is coming back. Let's not grow weary until the goal is reached. So many around us in your neighborhood. Right now, I just ask you to picture the people who live in your neighborhood. Picture the people who you go to school with. Picture the people in your workplace. So many feel hopeless because of the politics, because of the pandemic, they feel hopeless. The second coming of Christ, the return of Christ brings hope. As followers of Christ, we know these things must happen. And as we see them happen, we actually increase in our anticipation that the Son of Man is coming in the clouds of heaven with great power and great glory. The disciples asked, well, what will be the sign? Those same disciples that said of this, the same disciples who said, what's going to be, what's going to be the sign? 
Speaking of those disciples, it said this, as Jesus was broken by his physical suffering in the loneliness of his rejection, one by one, his friends betrayed or left him. Even as those who were closest to Jesus then left him one by one, what did Jesus do? He stood fast, steadfast. And Jesus refused to compromise the mission, even as evil sought his destruction. Perfidious means to be disloyal or acts of disloyalty. Fickle, to lack stability, to change from one thing to the next sporadically. Church, what is our desire? What do we want God to say of us? What is our desire for God to say of people's church? Fickle, perfidious, or steadfast? Enduring, persevering, unwavering, committed. That's the church that I want to be part of. And I believe it's the church you want to be part of too. Praise God. Let me ask you, as in the closing moments of our time together, if you would close your eyes and reflect how God may be challenging you to live out the words of Jesus today in Matthew 24, opposite of obvious. You're going to hear about wars, rumors of wars, obvious reaction, alarm, panic, turmoil. But Jesus says, do not be alarmed. Do not be alarmed. It could be that you're here with us today and you're thinking about moments, maybe even right now, where your faith has been wavering where you've been on fire one day and then drifting away back and forth, and you sense clearly in your spirit that God is telling you that if you're going to endure, that you cannot keep living like this, wavering back and forth. God is calling you, you're a believer, but God is now calling you to recommit or commit to a steadfast, unwavering faith. It's your desire that you no longer want to live alarmed. You want to live on mission. For some, and some of us today, it may be a moment of repentance where we get so obsessed with what we see online and constantly trying to dissect the headlines. Is this this? Is this that? And your word tells us, Father, these things are going to happen. We know it. Our job is not to dissect the headlines. Our job is to be on mission. Father, draw us near to you so that we can live on mission. Maybe as we talked about today, it's your desire to give your life to Christ. You'd say that I, I've lived alarmed and I've lived panicked and I've lived just confused because of the conflict and because of the chaos. And you would say, I want that hope, pastor, that you've been talking about. That hope where I can be steadfast, where I can be certain in an uncertain world, where I can have stability in an unstable world, where I, can have insecure, where I can have security where there's been 
insecurity, where I can live as a person of hope when there's so much hopelessness around me. You'd say that today is the day I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. If that's you today, today is the day you want to commit or recommit your life to Christ, declaring him as your Lord and Savior. Just so that I can pray for you today, would you lift up a hand so that I can see you and I can pray for you? I see your hand. Who else today? I see your hand, ma'am. Who else in this house today would give their life to Christ? I see your hand in the balcony. I see your hand. Who else today? Who else would join these friends saying, today is the day I give my life to Christ? I'm speaking just to the those who raise their hands right now, church, begin to pray. If you'd said that today is the day you want to give your life to Christ, right now is a conversation moment between you and your heavenly Father. Maybe you came today and you weren't quite sure why you came today, but now you know the reason why. This is the reason why. Simply say in a prayer, this is between you and God in your words, say, Father, I receive your son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior. Right? It may feel a little strange to, to pray because you haven't done it in a while, but right where you are in your own words, say, Father, I receive your son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and my Savior. And tell God, today I repent. I turn from my old life and I turn to Jesus Christ. And this is a great moment to thank your heavenly Father. Say, thank you, God, for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for giving me hope. Praise God. Father, I pray for the ones who raised their hand today saying they wanna give their life to Christ. We pray that these are seeds planted in fertile spiritual soil, that there would be a strengthening, that this would be a moment, a line drawn in the sand saying, I'm not going back to the way that I, I was. I'm moving forward in Christ. I'm moving forward in hope. Whether you just gave your life to Christ or you gave your life to Christ decades ago, Jesus is looking for steadfast, unwavering, committed, loyal followers, ready to endure, not alarmed, but ready to rise up, ready, ready to live out the mission, proclaiming the good news, the message that brings hope to the hopeless, the message that brings life to the spiritually dead, the message that brings restoration to the broken, the message of Christ. Not a time for retreat, but a time to rise up. If it's your desire to be a church that rises up, then I invite you to do that right now. Would you rise up with me and lift up the name of Jesus Christ? Rise up if you're able. Lift up your voices in praise. Let this be a place of worship right now where the King of Kings is worshiped. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We lift up the name of Jesus. We're committed. We're ready.